What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And while it might not have been as easy as it has been the past couple of years, I would definitely say, Kurt, wouldn't you agree it's been a little bit more of a grind this year? Um, Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely went, made you a little wary. Yeah, this year, it's, I mean, look, it's never easy, but I feel like the past two years winning the SEC East, it wasn't as much of a grind. They had to work quite as hard, exert as much effort. But uh, as you all well know by now, with our road win over Auburn on Saturday, our guys have now won the SEC Eastern Division crown for the third straight season. It really is only a means to an end. Right? This is not where we want to stop, obviously. It's a means to an end, but still it's a huge and very necessary first step to achieving what our ultimate goals are down the road. And again, while this is only one step on a much bigger journey, like it, it sure does feel pretty good. I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling pretty good right now. There was a lot of doubt out there after that South Carolina game. Understandably so. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I had at least a little bit of doubt in my mind. I wanted to believe. I, I thought it was still all out there in front of us. We said that here on the show, but there was a little bit of doubt about whether we would actually be able to kind of regroup and get it done. So it was definitely an uphill climb. But Kirby Smart and company took care of business and got it done. So, yeah, only a step, but I sincerely hope everyone is really enjoying it right now. But we sure did not make it easy for ourselves in that fourth quarter on Saturday against Auburn. And, and this is where, Kurt, I want to bring you back in here, man. I want to go ahead and bring you in here. Curtis, undoubtedly, this was a big win. Obviously, we all know that. Kirby got that SEC West road game monkey off his back finally. We find a little bit of redemption in Jordan Hare after that debacle in 2017. And again, oh, by the way, clinched the SEC East in the process. Sorry, Danny boy. But despite all of that, there, there were still some people out there in, so, in the social media sphere taking shots at this team, not buying into what this team is right now. So, Kurt, I want to take you back to the final seconds of that game against Auburn on Saturday. As those final seconds were ticking off and that clock struck zero with that 21-14 score up there on the scoreboard in our favor, how were you feeling about our team in that moment? I mean, I was pretty excited. I mean, the thing is, people, you know, right at this point, especially because we're not the hot ticket offensively and things like that. But people have to realize, you know, all week they talk about Dan Mullen was undefeated coming off bye weeks. So not only did Auburn come off a bye week, but we had to go into Auburn where we played terrible two years ago. And, um, you know, you're down your best receiver realistically almost the entire game. And yet you still come out on top. Yeah, you mentioned Gus Miles on there. That 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 eight and record at Auburn and uh, go back to year at Arkansas State. There nine and zero coming off a of bye week. I mean, that's a real stat. That's a, we talked about that in the previous show. That's not a small sample size. I mean, this guy gets his teams ready to play coming off the bye week, and he was doing that at home against a top four team. Like this was set up to be a major major issue for us, but our guys responded and it really took it to him for the vast majority of the game. I'm, I'm with you. I like. I was like, I, I, those people who are kind of, I don't say they're upset, but still concerned about this team. I totally get where you're coming from. I still personally, we'll talk about those more here in a few minutes, have plenty of concerns about this team. But in that moment, I was, uh, I don't, I don't know if euphoric's the right word, because I know like we still have bigger goals out there, but I was extraordinarily excited, man. I was very, very excited walking in that stadium, had that, uh, that, had the juices flowing, had that great feeling. Cause I mean, it was, it was that that last possession. I was convinced, Curtis, that they would have scored on that last possession. Don't you think they were going for two? Um, it wouldn't have shocked me. Yeah, I, I think they were going for two in that second. And I could be wrong. I mean, I've been wrong plenty of times in my life, but I just had that. Feeling. I'm sitting there, stands like, oh my god, oh my god, they're going to drive down here, they're going to score, they're going to go for two, we're going to lose this game, 22-21. I saw it all flash in front of my face. But 
uh, our guys got that stop. We got that stop, and it was huge. So I was uh, I definitely again had those ju- had the juices flowing. Feel really good about the team. Felt good. Um, and looking back on it today, I mean, Kurt, now that we've had about 24 hours to kind of let this sit and marinate, like, have your thoughts on this team and, and how that game transpired? Has it changed at all? Are you still feeling in a very similar way as you were right after the game? Oh, I'm still feeling a very similar way. You know, I'll probably get into it when some of the questions that, you know, people will inevitably ask about our offense. Um, but the one thing is, you know, my big takeaway is we scored 21 points without our best receiver at Auburn compared to, I'm not saying that we're going to beat them or this is how it's going to be, but LSU played Auburn at home and only scored 23 points and right. gave up 20 to this Auburn team. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you look at from from a point perspective, absolutely, absolutely. I would say LSU was a little bit more efficient offensively in that game than we were. But still, you're right, 23 points. We scored 21 on the road uh, without our best receiver. You're absolutely right there. I, I think – one of the things I was also having, like I, I will agree with some people, like I was feeling good about the game, but I'm also feeling like we have to get better on offense. So we're gonna get to that here in just a few minutes, but I yeah, still yeah. feel like we've got to get better. I mean, that's that's obvious, right, Kurt? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, everyone, like any anyone with any objective mind whatsoever says obviously we're gonna have to get better on offense. We'll get there in a few minutes, but uh, I, I, overall, like I felt good. I felt good. I mean, we're, we have a shot. We're gonna have a shot again in that SEC title game, and who knows what's gonna happen in a one game setting? You never know. You want to give yourself a shot, and that's what we've done. We've given ourselves a shot. So how can you not feel good about that? Like if if you don't feel good about that, like I don't want to tell you to live your life, man. You do you. Everyone do their own thing. Follow your bliss. But if you're not enjoying this one at least a little bit, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't know if you're going to find much happiness in the world of sports. But, yeah, we've definitely got to get better. There's things to to improve on. But let's go ahead and discuss – let's get into that. Let's discuss how it all went down yesterday. And today, I actually – I want to start with the defense. Normally, like, for whatever reason, and it's it's my fault. I mean, with the agenda, it's kind of how I set it up. But – and maybe it's because this is where all the controversy, all the consternation has been focused all season. But – for whatever reason, we start with the offense usually and kind of gloss over the defense at the end of the show. Like, oh, yeah, the defense is really good again, but not today. I want to give these guys their just do right out of the gate. So, Kurt, let me ask you this, man, with this Georgia defense. At this point in the season, after that performance on the road against like a good Auburn team, maybe not an elite, maybe not a great Auburn team, but a very good – and, of course, uh, uh, the legend – Offensive mastermind Gus Malzahn coming off a of bye week where he's eight zero at Auburn. Uh, how would you rate this defense on the national scene after that performance and what we've seen so far? Yeah, I, I believe they're close to top five. I mean, the thing is, you're out there, um, and the thing that just impresses me the most is you can you hear it a lot, but there really isn't like a superstar per se yet really on this defense, and yet everyone goes out and does their job. Like you know, Auburn tried to come out with some trick plays and reverses and things like that. And people like Nolan and Malik Herring and them were just – they played their job, did their role, and holding the edge and sniffed it out and got them for losses when Auburn tried to do their tricks. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. To me, I've been saying all year long, what I've been saying about this defense is that we were one of the best defenses, but I was not prepared to say – I was always saying we were a top five caliber defense. And I, that's what I said coming to the season. I felt like we were going to be like that level defense, a like top five caliber unit. That's, that was my prediction, and it's played out that way. But throughout the season, I've never quite gone as far as saying, I think this, I think this is the best defense in America uh, because I wasn't sure. Uh, there were was, uh, some things we still need to work on, uh, but – I'm right now, I will say this. I'm not ready to, to declare it's the best defense, like undoubtedly the best defense. But I'm not going to make that declarative statement. But I'll say I think we are as good as any defense in America. Is that fair, Kurt, at this point through nine through 10 I games? I think that's now? pretty dang fair, yeah. Yeah, I think we are as good as any defense in America. If you look at who we played, you know, Notre Dame's a really good football team. Florida's a good football team. Auburn's a good football team. We've beaten some good teams, guys. 
Um, so look, I, I'm not saying again, I'm not saying we're the best, but I think we are as good as any defense in America. I put us right up there with anybody, and we've gotten better as the season's gone on. That's the thing. That's why I'm kind of changing my tune here. Like, I always thought we were good all year long, but I think we've gotten a, we've gotten better. I think we've gotten a little bit more efficient. I think we have some freshmen making some impact. Guys like Trayvon Walker getting that final sack there. What a great call by Dan Lane and Kirby Smart with that with that uh, that stunt there. What they did basically, if you guys caught that. You had Trayvon Walker from the nose guard position loop around the left end, and we knew in that situation what is Bo Nix going to do? He is going to try to escape the pocket left. And so what we did is we flipped Adam Anderson from the left side of the, of the line and looped him around to that end. And so when Nix tries to escape left like we thought he would, there's Adam Anderson. He's got nowhere to go. Trayvon Walker makes makes the stop there. So great play by those guys. No doubt about it. Impact freshman there with Trayvon Walker. Uh, impact true sophomore Adam Anderson is finally getting more of a role here. But Dan Lane and Kirby Smart, that's a very well-designed play in a very key, obviously, the key moment of that game. But we have, a, I mean, whether it's Trayvon Walker, whether it's Tyreek Stevenson now getting involved, we have some young guys making impacts. N'Kobe Dean's playing more and more. Quay Walker, guy who didn't play hardly at all on defense last year. That guy is, he's now a fixture in our, in our dime package, and he's making plays. I mean, he was spying late in that game. He was spying on Knicks. I thought he did a pretty good job for the most part in that role. He's a really athletic guy. And, and just guys in general are taking to roles. We're improving. We're getting better. And this is what I told you guys after the South Carolina game. No, that game wasn't pretty. That really sucked. But a hallmark of Kirby Smart teams from 2016 to now is that we get better as the year goes on who we are at the beginning of the year who, who we are at the middle of the year that's not who we are at the end of the year so i think we're seeing us more so on the defensive side than the offense offensive side of the ball this year but we're certainly seeing it on defense uh, and, and sticking with the defense here curtis we held this auburn offense a team coming off a of bye week held them scoreless until the 1004 mark of the fourth quarter let me just simply ask you this man how were we able to do that what were the keys to holding this auburn offense in check for most of this game um, I think we just kept them off balance. I mean, I think we did a good job of winning on first and second downs and getting them into the deeper passing situations. Yeah, I think for me, yeah, absolutely. I, I told you guys one of the keys to this game in the preview show, at least as far as I can see, was forcing Bo Nix to beat us. We talk about it all the time when we're breaking down these games in our preview shows. You want to force – this is what defense coordinators do. You want to force your opposing – the opposing offense to play left-handed. And we told you in that preview show, Auburn runs the football 61% of the time. Coming to that game, they win the football 61% of the time. And that, that's what they want to do. That's what Gus Malzahn does. They put all the window dressing, the motions, the shifts, all that stuff, the different personnel groupings. But they do that just to kind of get your eye, eyes in the wrong spot so they can run the ball downhill at you. So if we can force Bonix to beat us, or if we could do that, I felt good. And that's exactly what we were able to do. We held their ground game to only 84 yards on the night, over 30 carries, 2.3 yards per attempt. They got nothing on the ground. I mean, their leading rusher was their quarterback, and that wasn't until late in the game. And then, and like I said, like Bo Nix, yeah, they made it tight late. That was more about us than it was about him. And we'll talk about that in, in just a second here and uh, how we kind of played it down the stretch in the fourth quarter. But like, we gave Bo Nix 110 easy yards on those two drives in the fourth quarter where, where we went soft zone. And we'll discuss the merits of that here in just a minute. We gave him 110 easy yards. Outside of that, I think the guy had like, I mean, it was like 150 yards to the other three, under 150 yards of the rest of the game. 
Um, so when you look at that, we held him to 30, 30 completion on 50 attempts, 4.9 yards per attempt. The guy just couldn't be, he couldn't beat us. He, it, he got it close because we kind of helped him out there, but he was not going to be able to beat us. And that's what we had to do. And that's exactly what we did. I also felt that like we were extraordinarily well prepared. It was, it was incredible to see this is where, I mean, I know some people, you know, Kirby gets a lot of heat some, from some parts of, of the fan base out there. Not, not, maybe it's not even the fan base, but just the world out there, the college football world about being like this great recruiter, but like an average in-game coach is an average coach. Well, I think today, or I think Saturday, he showed exactly what kind of coach he is. Gus Malzahn, that supposed offensive genius, he was the one coming off the bye week, right, Kurt? Yeah, and, and he uh, had no answers. He had no answers. We had all the answers. Our guys were infinitely better prepared on defense with no bye week to help get prepared than that Auburn offense was. So Kirby, 1,000%. Him, and I'm going to give Dan Lenning credit to Dan Lenning is a heck of a football coach. Those guys outcoached Gus Malzahn up and down that field all game until the fourth quarter, where we'll get that in just a second. But we were, our guys were so well prepared for, for all the sets that they were out there, the personnel groupings, the actions, the motions. We were on it. I mean, and just to throw one anecdotal situation out there to kind of illustrate that, that fourth down stop when they went Wildcat with Whitlow. And we knew we knew exactly what was happening. They tried to they tried to out numbers on the right side of the, of the line of scrimmage there. And our if you go back and, and and just take a screenshot, just pause it if if you record it and look at how we outnumbered them on that side. Like we knew exactly what they were trying to do in that formation, in that set, in that moment, in that situation, and we absolutely blew that up. And that's just one small example, but again, just incredible coaching job. Yeah, our guys did an incredible job executing the, the the game plan but what a game plan by kirby and dan landing and the whole entire demons of staff so i love that thought we were really well prepared out coached them no doubt in my mind and i also thought we tackled well for the most part there's a few plays in the fourth quarter where we didn't get guys on the ground when we needed to but through the first three quarters one of the reasons we were able to hold them scores is we got guys on the ground we did not give up the big plays explosive plays that auburn has made a living off of in the past we were able to completely hold them and check out anthony schwartz they tried to shot down the field at least one time down there and DJ Daniel was right there in, in, in stride with him, was able to make a play on the ball. So just an all-around great effort by the defense. There's no doubt there, Kurt. And before we talk more about our defensive effort, I do want to remind you guys about our friends at Vivid Seats. We've got another huge home matchup this weekend with the Texas A&M Aggies coming to Athens for the first time since they've joined the SEC. I know there's a ton of excitement around town here in Athens, so I imagine there's that kind of excitement all around the state of Georgia. So if you're looking to make it up to Athens for the game, go to Vivid Seats today. They have the best selection, the best prices. You'll find exactly what you're looking for at the price point that you want. And it is an incredibly easy experience. And right now, they have started a Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program where you can earn credits back for each ticket purchase. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. And each purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So this is a completely stress-free process. And when it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. But anyway, so it was a great performance by the defense. But the thing is, obviously we know, we did let them back in this game. As great of a defense performance as it was through three-ish quarters, after going up 21-0, we went into a very soft zone defense where our corners, if you go back and watch, guys, they are bailing at the snap. No more press man like we were doing throughout most of the game on their receivers. We're bailing at the snap and giving them very easy throws underneath. Auburn then proceeded to drive 75 yards to cut it 21-7, 
And then after one of our nine three and outs on offense, oh my God, nine three and outs. After one of those nine three and outs, we employ the same strategy after they cut 21-7, and they probably go another 57 yards, this time only using a minute and eight seconds of game clock. And all of a sudden, we're all freaking out, man. And now it's 21-14. They got all the momentum. Their crowd's back in it. So, Curly, was that the right defensive strategy in that moment in the fourth quarter when we go up 21 nothing? No, not at all. There's no point in giving them any momentum because you saw when, once they got to 2014, we went back to the press and was cutting. That was really one of the bigger things. Um, we went back to pressing them and we kind of bowed our necks a little bit. But, you know, so many times in all of football, not just college, high school, but all these teams want to go to a little bit, you know, softer coverage when you're up big. Um, but the thing is, when you're up big, you're even if they get one big play, yes, it'll hurt you. But you still should make them drive. You shouldn't get them the easy throws and allow them to continue and extend their drives like teams have been in in all the football when they do that because it never works out when teams do that somehow they'll always find their way back in it yeah it's like one of my old high school football coaches used to tell me way back in the days like all the prevent defense does is prevent you from winning I still remember that stuck with me all those years man but he's right he's right I, I look I get like coaches that employ that strategy like when you're up three scores in the fourth quarter and the opposing offense hasn't done anything all day like to a degree, I get what you're doing. I understand that you're trying uh, – the, the thought process is, is you're trying to not give up the easy big play, right? Like that's the thing. You don't want to give up the easy score, but they get right back in it, and, and it takes like 20 seconds off the clock. That's what you're trying to defend against. If they're going to score, you want to make them chew clock. You want to make them go the length of the field, and you're just going to say, you know what? I don't think you can do it consistently. You're going to make a mistake somewhere on the way. We're going to make a play, whatever it is. And if you do score, it's going to take five, six minutes off the clock. We're up by three scores, and you don't have enough time to actually win this game. So, like, to – to me, I, I know it's called the prevent defense. To me, it's more like, I call it like the the escape mentality. Like we just were trying to escape with the win, right, Kurt? Yeah, that's what it felt like. I mean, I, I think like this wasn't the only time we've seen Kirby do this. When we get leads like that, I don't want to say we go into a shell necessarily, but and Kirby, he makes this pretty clear. If you listen to his press conference, I mean, I listen to every press conference the man uh, has, and he makes it pretty clear. He doesn't care about style points. I know we all do, and in the college football world with the college football playoff, you kind of need to to a degree, but he doesn't. He just says, I just care about winning. I just want to get out there with the win. I do not care. I just want to get out there with the win. And that is his calculus. That's what this man is thinking. He is thinking, look, I'm I'm, I'm betting with, with 15 minutes ago that if they got to spend five, six minutes to drive, that they are not going to be able to, to have enough time on the clock. There's just not enough time on the clock for them to be able to go all the way, three different drives, and score and beat us and stop us at the same time. Uh, so I, I get it to a degree, but I personally don't agree with it. I'm with you, Curtis. Personally, for me, and look, Kirby, those coaches are a lot smarter than I am. They know a lot more about football than I do. There's, I'm mean, not even going to remotely question that. That's just the reality. They spend a lot more time game planning, all that stuff than I do. They were, they're operating with a lot more information than I am. So I, I usually hesitate to criticize coaches when it comes to play calling because they have a lot more uh, information. They spend a lot more time on this than I do. But – when it comes to this, just this general strategy, I go with what got you in that position. I say go with the defense that got you the 21 nothing in the first place. That had completely stifled this Auburn offense for three quarters. Why would you stop doing that? I get that it could result in a big play, but it hadn't resulted in a big play all day, so why is it going to start now? And I think the percentages of the, the opposing offense scoring – when you were just giving them easy pass after easy pass down the field and not even contesting those balls, their percentages of scoring go way up. Sure, it's going to chew clock. I mean, that, that first drive, that first scoring drive they had, it took five minutes and nine seconds off the clock, and that's what Kirby's thinking there. But they had not done anything against us all 
day up to that point. So why would you change what you're doing? Why would you do that when it's been working all day long? They've had no answers whatsoever. I mean, those two drives where we were playing that, we, we played those uh, two drives where they, where they cut to 21 7 and 21 14. That's the two drives we were playing that soft zone. Then you're right, Kurt. After they cut to 21 14, that next drive, we go back to what we've done all game and oh, huh, I wonder what happens. Well, that's right, we get a stop. But in those two drives, we're playing that soft zone or a prevent defense, if you want to call it. They racked up 145 yards on those two drives. They had 184 yards of total offense in the rest of the game outside of those two drives. And the only difference was is we were just giving them easy throw after easy throw underneath and letting them just go down the field. So personally, that's not what I would have done, but Kirby's done that a couple of times. That's just a strategy. That's a philosophy that he believes in. It's not what I believe in, but again, um, it's hard. It, it worked. I'll say that at the end of the day, it worked. It worked. It might've gotten a lot closer than it needed to be. We were all freaking out, but I, I guess what the man went with, it worked and it might not work in another situation, but, uh, I guess in this, in this one game setting, he got what he wanted. So maybe it's, maybe I shouldn't criticize it, but personally, that's just not how I would go with it. I would just go with what got you there. It's no doubt for me. And before we move on to talk about the other side of the ball, I do want to remind you guys that this show is brought to you by our very good friends at mybookie.ag. We covered the spread. We made it way closer than it should have been, but we covered the three-point spread pretty easily, I guess, by a touchdown there. So great job there by the guys. Hopefully you guys put some money down on that. We told you guys with a pick show last week to put that money down, all three of us, myself, Charlie, and John, all three had the dogs to cover the spread. So hopefully you got in on that action too. But if not, it's not too late. There's still plenty of time left in college football season, not to mention the NFL the NBA is now in full swing. College hoops is getting going. About to have all those Thanksgiving week tournaments, which is always a lot of fun. So plenty of games to bet on and plenty of options for you on mybookie.ag. Of course, they've got the, the lines. They've got the money line. got a ton of different parlay options. They've got quarters. they got halves. They've got in-game betting props. You name it, they've got it. And now is the best time to join mybookie.ag because they will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand dollars that means if you deposit two thousand dollars you get an extra thousand dollars in free money to play with all you have to do is use the promo code overtime to activate the offer once again that's promo code overtime to take advantage of mybookie's generous sign up offer visit mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid all right so it was a great defensive performance on saturday but uh, as good as this defense was, and it was really good, all right, there were once again some major offensive issues. We cannot ignore that. We've been talking about it seemingly every week now, but here we go again. We only managed 251 yards of total offense in this game, 3.9 yards per play. That is abysmal. We were 3 of 15 on third down a couple of weeks after being really good on third down in Jacksonville against Florida. We were only 3 of 15 on third down and only managed 110 yards passing in this game. So, Kurt, well, this is a good Auburn defense. I don't know if it's an elite Auburn defense, but it's a good Auburn defense. Was that performance offensively for us on the road in that setting, was that more about Auburn or is that more about us? I know the answer is probably a little bit of both, but if you had to pick one, is it more about Auburn or more about us? I think it's more about us. I don't think we called a great game plan. And then when the plays were there to be made, they were they weren't made. Um, you know, drop passes like the one to um that one Wolf Eli Wolf dropped in the fourth quarter was oh my god, that, yeah, that, that was that, that could have killed, um, killed us. Exactly. That was um, a good play call. Exactly. And then the other times there weren't great play calls. I thought we didn't do a good, jo- good enough job trying to attack them intermediate with slants and things like that to get people off the press coverages. 
Um, and then there were some plays out there where Jake just didn't make good decisions. The one where he tried to throw it to Harry and when Swift was open on the other side. And then there's even times when he did throw the ball that I'm noticing more and more Jake does not do a good job of throwing off his front foot, of pushing his way forward. And his balls are floating at times, allowing people to come up and make plays on them. Yeah, when he steps into it, he that's when that's when he's accurate. That's when he's completely on. But when he falls with that back foot, and, and you're right, I've noticed that too. And I don't know, is that like he's feeling pressure from the like, that maybe well, not some right of the times there. it's not he's not getting pressured. I mean, yeah, sometimes he's not for him it's to strange. step up. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's something I have noticed. It's strange because uh, he hasn't done that consistently throughout his career. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's that's a, that's an interesting point, and, I, and that's something that I've seen as well. But I, I'm with you. I think this is more about us. Auburn's. Yeah, I thought and I thought one thing we didn't do a good enough job, and it's weird because we did it last week. We didn't get Swift the ball enough, and then when we did get the ball, we didn't give it to him enough on the edge. Because when we get into the ball in space on around the side, edges, he was getting chunks. Yep. 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 And I look, I know, like, and I'm with you. I, we're going to talk about that more in a second. You're like, what would we change about this offense? But one of those things, I'm since you bring it up, I'm with you. Uh, we need to get the ball on the edge more than we do. When we do get the ball on the edge, pretty consistently we're having success. Now, I know you can't do it every single play, obviously, because the defense then knows exactly what you're doing every time. Every time. I get that, right? You have to. We still have to be able to run between the tackles. But I don't think that we're attacking the edge enough, consistently enough in the running games. When we do, we are having a lot of success, more success than we are between the tackles right now. So I, I'm with you there. And DeAndre Swift, you're exactly right. I mean, this man, I, I told you guys after the, after the game last week against Missouri, 12 – 12 carries? I mean, like eight, he had like 80-something yards, almost like eight yards a carry on 12 carries. That's not enough for DeAndre Swift. In this game, he had more touches, 17, but DeAndre Swift needs at least 20 carries a game. Does he not, Kurt? He does. I mean, Brian Herring's a good running back. You know, Herring only got seven carries. Himself. It's, not like, it's not like Brian's taking a ton of carries from him. But it's not like a Sony and Nick situation. Like, that's not what we have. DeAndre Swift is clearly the alpha male the top option in the backfield. Like there's no, like there's a pretty similar drop off between DeAndre Swift and Brian Heron. Love Brian Heron, but it's not like a, a Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, or even, I mean, maybe even last year, like a, a Elijah Holyfield in, um, in Swift there last year. So I, I think that we've got to find a way to just, not a, find a way, just give him the football. Like there's no finding a way, just give the man the football. He is our best playmaker on offense right now, especially when Cager's out of the game. There's no doubt about it. He's got to get the football more. He had over 100 yards rushing on only 17 carries. So yeah, I think that's something we've got to do a better job of. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm with you, man. I think this is more about us. Um, Auburn is good defensively. They're like top 25 good, but that secondary is only okay, man. Like if we can't do... If we can't do more against a secondary like that in the passing game, and that really concerns me against some of the teams that we're going to have to beat moving forward if we want to get where we want to get. Like, that's that's concerning. And I, I know you can say, well, we were up 21 nothing, so maybe we didn't have to throw the ball that much. I get it. And, like, our top receiver went down. I get that, too. And we've seen what our offense looks like the second half of the year without without Lawrence Cager in the game. Um, it is a striking difference. It really like, – Kurt, like – is it Cager? Does Cager make that much of a difference for our offense when he's not in the game? Um, I think personnel-wise is because we start having to go with people like Kiaris Jackson and other things in his position. You even have to put Matt Landers in there, which when you do that, you don't have your best out there. Right, and then then they can completely key on George Pickens and try to take him out of the game. Uh, Pickens did a good job against Missouri in that game, even with Cager out, uh, being able to to uh, to make enough plays. They had to score two touchdowns in that game. I almost had a third if he doesn't have that misalignment mistake. But Auburn was able to take him out of the game without Cager in there, and that's an issue. Like, we have both those guys in the game. You can't double both of them, especially with how we can run the football. So that that makes us a little bit more dangerous. We saw that against Florida. 
But when Cager's out, it just makes things a little bit more difficult. And you can still tell, like Jake's trying to let it rip. He does not have full trust in those guys. And, right, and, and, and those guys haven't really earned his – I mean, Kyrgios made a nice play. It was all that almost touchdown. Like, that was a nice play by Kyrgios. Um, I, I, thought, I thought he might have it in there, but no, he was, he was definitely out of bounds. But it was a nice play. It was, it was nice to see. Maybe it's a sign of things to come for him down the road. I still think Kyrgios Jackson is better in the slot, but the problem is we have two other guys that, that are good in the slot, and they don't play as well outside. So he's got to play out there when when Cager's hurt, and we don't trust Tyler Simmons because obviously why would we trust Tyler Simmons? We don't trust Matt Landers that much anymore because obviously, again, why would we trust Matt Landers? I think the guy's got a high ceiling, but he's nowhere close to, to coming to touching that ceiling. So, yeah, I think this is more about us. We're just not hitting all cylinders, especially when Cager's out. I thought we ran the ball pretty well. Um, but, Kurt, I, I want to ask you this next question. What are the – so you, you we touched on this a little bit, but let me just ask you again here. What are the major issues that you still see offensively? So we're not getting swift the ball enough. What else are you seeing that we need to change offensively? We're just not get, doing a good job trying to get the, uh, get people open. I think that we've got to devise a game plan that will set people up in positions. Yeah, I agree with that. I think – I guess the way I would phrase it is that – and I've said this before, but we're just not maximizing skill sets offensively. We have guys that can make plays. Demetrius Robertson can make plays, guys. He did it as a freshman at Cal. I know it's a different offense. I know it's a Pac-12, a different kind of defense. I get that. But Demetrius Robertson's a good player. That guy can make plays. DeAndre Swift is as good a running back as there is, not just in the SEC, but in America. That guy's a major playmaker. And we're not finding ways to get him the ball – to maximize his skill set. Even Brian Harry in the passing game, I don't think we're doing that enough. Uh, a guy like Dominic Blaylock, he made that. That was a great play. That I mean, it was a great throw by Jake. It was a great re- – I'll give Jake some credit. It wasn't a great game by Jake Fromm. There's no doubt about it. Another game where he's under 50%, which is just so un-Jake Fromm-like. But uh, that play that he hit uh, for the long touchdown to Dominic Blaylock, uh, Dom was not his first read in the progression. And that's what Jake Fromm brings. You know he doesn't have the legs. No, he's not flashy. There's a lot of things that he doesn't have, but he does that well. He was looking down the sideline first. That was his, that was his first read. It wasn't there. I think I kind of I forget who it was, but he kind of slipped on the play. And so then he goes across the middle, sees Blaylock, takes a shot down the field, and hits him in stride. Great play by Blaylock. Great read by Jake. Great throw by Jake. That was beautiful. Uh, but those are there's some guys that we we have that we can we can make plays with. Him. Even like Eli Wolf. I know he had a big drop in the fourth quarter. I think Eli Wolf can make some plays for us in the passing, more plays than we're giving him a chance to make. So I just don't think we're maximizing the skill sets of what we have offensively. We're trying to run that same back shoulder nine route that we've had so much success with, with bigger, more physical guys the past couple of years, the guys like Javon Wims and Riley Ridley and JJ Holloman. We're trying to run that same look with players like Kiaris Jackson and D-Rob. And that's just not what they do. They're smaller guys. That's not their game. They can do other things, but that's not what they do. So stop trying to make them do things that don't fit their skill set. We need to work more breaking routes, whether it's an in-breaking route, was out-breaking routes. I, one thing I would love to see is we only run our we, we run some RPOs, but about, I'd say about 10 to 15% of the time, maybe when we when we go to the air. So I would like to see us run some more RPOs against safeties. When you watch this team, you go back and break down what defenses are doing to us. Sometimes, yeah, we're getting heavy boxes, but a lot of times the safeties aren't necessarily in the box at the snap, but they are triggered downhill like immediately when the ball is snapped. I mean, they're coming down hard with reckless abandon, not even worrying about the passing game behind them. So what I would like to see us do is employ more RPOs where we're reading safeties. And when they come flying downhill like that and they leave the entire middle of the field wide open, we just throw the ball over their head and there is no one there. We need to start doing more of that, more easy throws, 
that take advantage of how defenses are triggered so hard against the run. And I think we've got to do a better job of getting the running backs more involved in the passing game. We talked about this after the Florida game. We saw more of the running backs in the Florida game. They did, they did a great job in the passing game. And I, I had a question, though, in, in the recap show after the Florida game, I said, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I love what I saw offensively, but I still have questions about whether that was kind of an isolated, like one game game plan situation, or is it signs of more of a philosophical change? And in the last, in the two games since that Florida game, I have not seen us try to get the running backs involved in the passing game near as much as we did against Florida. There's one time I really noticed against uh, against Auburn on Saturday where we we went uh, empty. We had five wides out there, and we had both Harrion and Swift on the field at the same time. I, you kind of referenced this earlier, Kurt, right? Where we threw the ball to Harrion, but Swift was open on the left side. Yeah. They both ran out routes, and uh, and we and I think you're right. I think Jake went with Harry and pre-snap based on the alignment, based on the matchup. But it looked like that uh, that Swift probably had a little bit more room over there on the left side on the boundary. I think Jake was trying to give him more room out there uh, to the field, a little more room to operate. I guess that's what he was thinking. Um, but well, even I'm then, not even it was sure. terrible throw. So I don't know it what wasn't a good throw. Yeah, it wasn't a good throw. That wasn't a good play. But I, I don't. Kirby know. got onto him too as he's walking to the sidelines. Yeah, and you can see Jake was kind of frustrated. He was like trying to you know defend himself and explain. And he was kind of animated over there. Yeah, I absolutely saw that in the replay. Um, but I'm not sure that play was an option route. Like a lot of times, what teams are doing now is like they're they're putting those guys. It, it's like you have an, it's a two way go. De- depending on how the defender is leveraging, if he's playing inside leverage, you go outside. If he's playing outside leverage, you go inside. I'm not sure that we gave the guys the option. I think they were just told to run out routes. I would legitimately like to see our guys have the ability to run option routes. So if those guys, Harry and Swift, and even James Cook, like we've talked about this many times, James Cook is criminally underutilized. I put him out there in those situations. I put James Cook in the slot pretty consistently. I think that guy can go out there and make plays for us. If you get a matchup on linebackers, a matchup on safeties, but whatever. Um, I'm, I'm, I've stopped even hoping about that because that's just not going to happen. But give those guys a two-way goes and let them make plays because they're getting man coverage pretty consistently on first and second down in those standard situations. And the other thing I would say here before we move on is we need to completely abandon these tight sets where defenses can get nine and 10 guys in a four by four box, a four yard by four yard box and still defend our wide receivers. We have all of our wide receivers in tight like that. You have nine to 10 defenders in the box. And that means they can defend the run and defend any receivers running a route at the same time. It's asinine at this point we need to spread things out and help our offensive line and create more explosive plays when we're having success in the run game it's when we're spreading things out like when we're getting the ball in the perimeter is out of those spread looks because they can't consistently stack the box like that they have to account for the defenders out wide we can see more of what they're trying to do if they're trying to bring the defenders in the box in those situations we have the ability to throw it out wide where they aren't but we're just and we're we, we, for a little while we were doing a better job of that and i thought it was more of a sign maybe again of a philosophical change but now we're going back and doing more of those tight sets, and it just blows my mind. We, we're not having any success with that this year. It makes no sense what we're trying to do offensively. It's like it's, the, it's just an old school mentality of like, oh, we're big, strong, more physical than you, and we're just going to run over you. It doesn't matter how many guys are in the box. And it's just not working. We have to be smarter at this point in the season because we're going to face better teams down the road, and we've got to figure out a way to uh, loosen those boxes up and just do things a little bit differently. I mean, I, I – I know the numbers haven't been good recently offensively, but I still think there's playmakers out there that we can do some things with. We just gotta find a way to do it more consistently. Because right now it's just it's just not working. It's not pretty. But um, anyway, Kurt, I want to move on here. And talk about the offensive line. There's a lot of talk about the Auburn defensive line versus our offensive line coming into this game. Who do you think won that battle in the trenches on Saturday? Um, I actually think I'd have to go with our guys. I thought they did a good job of 
um, when the plays were there to be made that they, especially I think about on that first touchdown pass, they gave Jake a good while to throw that ball. Yeah. I don't think either side dominated the matchup, but this is what I said coming to the game. When we talk, we do our three, two ones in the preview show uh, where we have three reasons to be optimistic, two reasons to be concerned and one key of the game. One of my reasons to be optimistic and uh, feel good about our chances in this game was that I didn't think this is going to be a mismatch for offensive line. When Auburn goes into just about every other game, it's a mismatch for the opposing offensive line. Because that Auburn defense front is that good. I wasn't sure we were going to dominate the game, and we didn't dominate the game up front. But we didn't get dominated. They were not. Uh, they did not overmatch us. And I, I'm with you. I, 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 I would give us at least a slight edge against that Auburn defense front, which is a good defensive front. We had 27. Our top three backs had 27 carries for 140 yards combined. It's 5.1 yards per carry. So again, we didn't. We didn't dominate them. But we ran the ball effectively against a good Auburn front. I mean, 5.1 yards to carry when they know we want to run the football against that front seven. I'll take that all day, every day. And it's like I said on the preview show. If we could do that, I felt really good about our chances against the defensive front that's only given up 115 yards a game and 3.4 yards per rush. So, yeah, I'd say I'd give us the slight edge there. And you, you mentioned pass protection. Guys gave it one sack. So against Florida and Auburn, the top two sack teams in the SEC – we gave up one sack combined against those two teams. That is elite offensive line play. Now, there were some times they affected the quarterback and didn't result in a sack, sure. But still, one sack against the top two – or against the, t- the two teams leading the SEC in sacks on the year, that is an outstanding job by our offensive line. So, yeah, Auburn's defensive line played well. I think our offensive line just played a little bit better. Kurt, what did you make of Jamari Salyer playing a lot of that for, uh, second half, at least the fourth quarter – uh, at right guard, I think that that's his natural position. I think you're going to see him be there next year full time. Yeah, I think Jamari Sawyer is a is going to be a really good player for us, and he's one of those guys. Like it's just like an embarrassment of riches. He's one of those guys that you want to go on the field, but who do you take off the field? And I thought he played really well when he was in there. I mean, that's a tough spot for him. He hasn't played. I mean, he's played this year, hasn't played a ton this year, and coming in against that defensive line, I thought he played really well. And it made sense. He's a bigger. He's a big, strong guy. Um, so I thought he played an athletic guy uh, as well. So I thought he played really well. We didn't see as much of Ben Cleveland. I thought this might be a game where we'd see more of Ben with how big and strong that Auburn defensive front is and how big and strong Ben is. So it might be a decent matchup. But uh, we wouldn't saw you a lot there, and I thought he played really well. Apparently well. you're hearing Cleveland was a little hurt. Yeah, that's 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 the word. Because um, I thought he played really – I mean, obviously won SEC lineman of the week uh, last week against Missouri. So And that's kind of what I've heard as well, that he wasn't 100% there. But – and that's I mean, that was my first reaction in the game. I was like, "Is Ben hurt?" Because Jamari is out there, but I thought Jamari really handled himself well and uh, did a really good job jumping in there. So, Kurt, when it was all said and done, we were uh, this is crazy. We were outgained for the first time all season. We were outgained 329 yards to 251 yards total offense, but we still found a way to win, man. And that's ultimately what counts. South Carolina did this to us once already this year, where we outgained them by 171 yards and still lost the game because we lost a turnover battle for nothing. That's how we lost that game. So what was it in this one, Curtis? What were the keys to us winning this game despite getting outgained by Auburn? Um, I thought we won the field position battle. I thought Jay Camarda was probably one of the MVPs of the game. He uh, In the first half. Yeah. Even in the second half, I mean, he was kicking it from deep in our own end zone. He was still trying to get it out there. Yeah, he was. He was. He did a good job in the second half. It was just that last punt was like thirty-one yards, and I was like, like, "Oh my god, you've been so good all game!" Like I was, like I was already giving him the MVP ball. Like after the, but like before that last punt, I was like, "Oh my god, thirty-one yards, you can't do that." But he was. You're right. He was like, and that's that's in my notes here. I mean, he absolutely flipped the field position, especially in the first half. I mean, the first half, 
He had a 67-yard punt that we down the two-yard line, a 52-yard punt that uh, they ended up with the ball on the 15-yard line, another 42-yard punt. They ended up with the ball on the six, another 63-yarder. I mean, that is the Jake Kamara I was expecting to see all year. He has some inconsistencies early in the year, but he has come on strong, and that's the guy that we were hoping we got at Norcross High School uh, a couple years back. So I thought he was huge, absolutely. All right, what else? What else allowed us to win even though we got outgained? Um, realistically, we made the plays when they need to be played. The strip sack, uh, to me, was incredibly huge. And then we did a good job with two-minute drill when it really mattered. So big. Yeah, so big. Absolutely. And one thing I'm going to point out here, because this was my key to the game uh, in our 3-2-1 our preview show, is we had to start fast. I said we had to start fast because that was the issue against Auburn. And if you go back and trace our issues in these games the past couple years, past two-plus years now that we've lost, whether it's uh, at Auburn 2017, LSU last year, Texas in the Sugar Bowl last year, those games that we've lost, we – did not start fast. We got into a hole, and we don't play well from behind. We just – we don't. We haven't consistently done that under Kirby Smart. Our offense isn't built that way. We are a much better front-running team. So I thought it was really critical in this setting to get out to an early lead, to take that crowd out of the game, allow us to play in our comfort zone with the lead, and then uh, kind of do that bow constrictor where we just kind of choke them out. And um, it, it it almost got away from us there in the fourth quarter. But that fast start was critical. As I'm telling you guys, when, when, it, when we went 14-0 uh, right before the half – and that, that stadium was silent. At halftime, they were silent. To start of the second half, they were quiet. And then we go up 21 nothing. They started leaving, man. They, they started looking for the exits. Uh, then, of course, they get back into the game. But that fast start was critical for us. There's no doubt there. We won the turnover battle. Again, that's why we lost to South Carolina, losing that turnover battle 4 nothing. Um, we didn't win it by much, but you're right. That strip sack was huge. There was a huge play in that game, taking some some momentum. They were trying to build there offensively. And, uh, and as bad as the offense was <laughs> through most of the game, when we got in the red zone, we made it count, which is something we did not do last week against Missouri. And you could tell that's something that we worked on this week where we said, all right, we struggled in the red zone. We couldn't score. We weren't scoring touchdowns. We had to settle for field goals. We can't do that on the road at Auburn. So uh, I want to give James Coley some credit. Those two touchdown passes he called, Kurt, big-time play calls, right? Yeah, especially I think the two um, by the goal line were huge because last year that's one of our biggest struggles was our red zone offense. Yeah, and, and the, was I think it was the first one where yeah, it was the first one right where we're uh, in the fourth qu- or in the second quarter there, uh, where we uh, we lined up like okay, we're going to do like a sneak or a quick little run up the middle. We had like I think it was Cade Mays and somebody right behind Jake. Where that's kind of been our, our our quarterback sneak look throughout the year, and then we motion real quick, and then we get Harriet on the edge, and Jake makes a nine. I mean, it should have been a tough throw, but puts in just the right amount of touch on the ball, gets there, touchdown, beautiful design, beautiful call. And also, of course, the one to Eli Wolf go up 21-0. Another beautiful call there by James Coley. So I know Coley's taking a lot of heat this year. He hasn't been perfect. But I actually think like he's done a pretty decent job, at least since the South Carolina game, of calling plays. Um, it's, and when Cage goes out, like we're we're undermanned at wide receiver right now. That is an issue. But uh, scoring those touchdowns, I mean, that's the difference in the game. We had to score touchdowns there, and that's the, that's ultimately what ended up winning that game. So, yeah, even though we got out game, like we just – like you said, we made the plays. We had to make them. got that fast start, won the turnover battle, red zone touchdowns. You mentioned the field position with, with Jake Kamara. All those things, that's how you win a game even though you get out game. So, whatever. All our fans can say what they want. Uh, we won this football game, and uh, we are going to Atlanta for the third straight season, and I feel pretty – darn good about that but all right guys that does it for today here on the goal uj podcast we'll have you guys covered the rest of the week as we head into this matchup against texas a and big time mashup haven't been down here to athens since they've joined the league and there was a lot of excitement around town about that so we'll have you cover the rest of the week but thanks for listening for curtis i'm tyler and as always go dogs